What I have for you this morning is a little bit of a personal message, and so I'd like to start off just by letting you know who I am. Uh, some of you know more about us than others, and many of you recognise my face, but, but don't really know who the person is behind it. So just uh, very briefly, a sort of 60-second run through my life. <laughs> um, I'm married to Nikki, uh, very, very happily married to Nikki. We've been married for almost eight years now. And she has been an immense blessing in my life. And <laughs> I love her very much. Um, uh, we have three children each from previous relationships. Six children plus attachments and one grandchild. <laughs> Hanging out for more. So, uh, and uh, there could be more coming. I've spent most of my working life as a professional engineer, an electrical engineer, so I'm working for Airways New Zealand at the moment, uh, doing electrical power engineering. But I've also, Baptist, I've, I've also pastored two Baptist churches. So in 2001, um, God gave me a midlife crisis and I ended up um, pastoring a church. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't what I planned, but that's where he took me. Um, and and, and that, that was a wonderful time, uh, but it came to an end when, when my first marriage failed. Uh, and so um, that uh, was a very painful uh, part of my life. Uh, and I went back to engineering. Uh, and a, a little while later, I met Nikki, and we got together, got married, uh, and I got called again to pastor a second time. Uh, and uh, ended up pastoring North Potirua Baptist Church. Uh, and, and again, that was a wonderful time. It was fruitful and really felt an, a, the, a, a sense of being uh, in the place that God wanted both of us, a, a sense of shared calling and shared vision. Um, and that came to an end uh, two years ago when I resigned because of uh, burnout that I experienced. Uh, and I, I just want to say that that was burnout to do with my stuff. It wasn't to do with the church. It's not what the church did to me. It's what was within me that I needed to process. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful church, and I love it very much. So I stand here this morning as somebody who knows what it's like uh, to respond to the call of God and to pour myself 150% into you know, every fibre of my being into following the call of God and taking risks and in doing that, seeing God do some incredible things. You know, Nikki and I have seen God do some wonderful things in people's lives. And I really affirm that God is a miracle-working God. He is an extraordinary God. And I've seen that. Uh, I've seen that. As a pastor, you have the privilege of seeing that so much in people's lives because people come and open themselves up to you and, and, and you get a glimpse of what God's doing. And that's such a privilege. Uh, but I also stand here as somebody who, having given myself uh, totally to God, uh, I've stand here as somebody who's also fallen over twice, flat on my face, and had to resign and give up, and somebody who's... Uh, experience pain uh, and disappointment and a sense of loss of vision uh, and confusion that comes with that. Um, somebody who's known uh, brokenness and failure uh, 
and somebody who fell into a deep hole at the end of my marriage breaking up and a black hole that took a couple of years to climb out of. Um, and I stand here as somebody this morning who uh, knows how God can restore and how God repays what the locusts have eaten. And somebody who knows that every moment of every day through all that time, no matter how dark it's been, God has been with me. So I want to talk about this verse this morning. Honour your father and your mother as the Lord has commanded you. Deuteronomy. So, honour your father and your mother. How are you doing with that one? (laughs) How are you doing with that? Is that easy? (laughs) Is that something you've figured out how to do? You got it all sussed? I know it's, uh, it's, it's a verse that I have uh, spent several decades of my life struggling with. So this morning I'd like to tell you about a man, or he was a man. This is uh, a story from the mid-1960s. He's a man uh, called John Ames, and he was a minister of a small uh, Midwestern church in America and Iowa. And he married late in his life, uh, and he didn't have any children when he married him. He married a a younger woman uh, and had his first child in his 70s. And at the point in which the story begins, uh, he's been diagnosed with a terminal illness. So he knows that his life is coming to an end, uh, and fairly soon. uh, And he's got a, a, a very young son who he loves very much. So what he decides to do is he decides to write an extended letter in the form of a journal to his son to tell his son what he would have liked to have told him uh, if he had lived and grown with his son. Isn't that a lovely thing to do? I mean, if you've got children, if you've got young children, what, what would you put in a letter like that? What would you like your child or your children to know uh, if you felt that you weren't able to tell them. So John Ames uh, tells uh, his son about his father and his mother and his grandparents and his family history, about his values and his hopes and dreams, and we know this because it's in writing. uh, And it was made available in the form of a book. uh, And it's fiction. This is not a true story. But this is the most wonderful, wonderful book that I discovered earlier this year by Marilyn Robinson. It won a Pulitzer Prize. So really the the book is just a a meandering, gentle path through his memories and through through the things that come into his mind that, you know, my son, this is what I would like you to know. This is our family history. These are the things I believe. These are the things that I affirm in you. These are my hopes and dreams for you. Uh, and it's just gentle and gracious and, and, and a, a really God-filled book. And as he keeps meandering through this journey, it's a very unstructured book, um, he keeps coming back to his relationship with his father. 
Uh, and this is the thing that has been so crucial in his life. And about three quarters of the way through the book, um, in his Bible reading, because he's a minister, so he's, he's, he's reflecting on his role as a minister through this. Have any of you read this book? Oh, I really recommend it. It's part of a trilogy. Uh, there, are, there are three books in this. About three quarters of the way through the book, in his Bible reading, he comes to this verse, honour your father and your mother. And he spends about 10 pages just reflecting on that verse. Earlier this year, I, uh, on a weekend, I got on an aeroplane and flew up to Auckland. Uh, and uh, I opened up the book. I'd already re read the book. I grabbed the book, I opened it up, and I spent the whole hour on the plane rereading those 10 pages. I was flying up to Auckland to visit my father. He had, um, earlier this year, he had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's uh, and he had been moved into care. Uh, and this was my first visit to him once he had been moved into care. I was going to go and see him. And, uh, and I was thinking about my relationship with my father and honouring my father. And so on that journey up there, I took these 10 pages and I just spent the whole trip slowly reading through them and thinking and reflecting about it. Because my father has never been the father that I wanted. He's never been the father that I wanted him to be. Uh, when I was young, he was always off somewhere else. Uh, when I had adolescence, when I really needed him as a, as a young adolescent, 11 or 12 year old, he, he took me and my sister and my brother to a local beach one night and said that he was leaving home and that he'd fallen in love with another woman and that he was leaving. And he disappeared for a period. He's um, always been emotionally absent for me. Uh, I mean, he came back and was... And was present much more, but he's been emotionally absent. And despite my best efforts once I had children, I wanted him to be a grandfather to my children. And, and despite my best efforts in trying to make that happen, uh, he was emotionally absent to my, to my children as a grandfather, uh, and, and to the extent that they don't even visit him anymore. They, you know, he's somebody of no significance in their life, and that makes me sad. So I've lived with a sense of disappointment with my father really for the last four or five decades. And yet I kept trying. And so as I flew up and I had all these emotions going through me, um, and I read through these 10 pages, there was one particular thought in these 10 pages that I latched onto. Uh, that I've been reflecting on then and since. Because the verse that we're looking at today is actually part of the Ten Commandments. It's the commandment number five. Have you ever thought about the, the fact that this is the only relationship really of significance that's pulled out in the Ten Commandments? <coughs> 
So what, what, what is it about our relationship with our parents that is so significant that it becomes one of the Ten Commandments? Have you ever thought about that? Why is it the one that's been pulled out into the top ten? And look where it sits in, th in the top ten. Um, you can uh, structure, you can, ha if you have a look at the Ten Commandments, the, a, a way of thinking about them is that they're actually divided into two groups. Um, and so the first group, uh, you'll have no other gods before me, um, you, no graven images, and, and uh, do not worship any graven images. Uh, don't misuse the name of the Lord, don't blaspheme, observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So. Uh, those first four you could think about as being uh, uh, to do with our relationship with God. So they're more vertically focused, us and God. Uh, and then the next five, honour your father and your mother, don't murder, adultery, don't steal, don't, don't uh, give false testimony against your neighbour, don't covet. You could think of as more being to do with our relationship with the world. So if that's the case, um, I'm going to have a look at the order of those last six. Even, even within that, honour your father and your mother is the first of those six. Now, is that significant or is that order just random? Uh, we don't really know, but it's an intriguing thought, isn't it? If it is of significance, then honour your father and your mother is more important as a commandment than do not murder. Maybe, maybe, but <clears throat> where am I up to? <laughs> Here's the thought that came to me from John Ames, or really Marilyn Robinson, who wrote the book. What if, what if honouring your father and your mother, <clears throat> well, it, I mean, it, it, it definitely is part of that bottom grouping, and you can see that from the, from the statement, uh, as your Lord has commanded, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you. So you do this for this reason. The, the so that plants it in the way in which we live in the world. So it's definitely part of that second grouping. But what if it's also part of the, of the top grouping? What if it's actually a hinge between those two? So that sure it sits in the bottom grouping about um, how to live in the world. But what if it's also about how we relate to God? Honour your father and your mother. Not because this is how you function in the world, but because this is how you function with God. It's an intriguing thought. It's an intriguing thought. And that's the thought that has stuck with me. And that's what I want to unpack a little bit this morning, that thought. What's the, if, if that is the case, then how can we think about the significance of that? So I'd like to just do a little sidebar now <laughs> as a way of leading into that. Um, When my daughter was born, she's, she's my eldest. Uh, and 
As she came out, I caught her. Uh, oh, that's happening again. Every time I think about this, I start to choke up. It, it was the most extraordinary thing. The, the most, ex unlike anything I could conceive. And I held her and I looked at her. And I was flooded with this waves of love. And I thought, this is, this is a love that I've never felt before. This is a type of love that I've never experienced before. And I thought, this is what it means to love a child as a parent. This is, this is parent love. I've known other types of love in my life, but I've, this is the first time I've ever known parent love. And immediately the thought came to me, this is the love that God has for me. And it was at that moment that I experienced the father heart love of God for me. So there's something unique about the love, the relationship about, uh, between a parent and a child, isn't there? Uh, it, it's unlike any other relationship. Uh, and that's mirrored in the relationship that we have with God. So... I have some pictures here. I'll come back to that. That was my experience of my love for my child. What I, what I came to realise uh, as, uh, as I stepped into the role of being a parent uh, is that... Um, I had a role uh, beyond just being a parent to them, and, and one of the roles that I had was actually to be God to them, to reveal God to them. So a young child uh, is not able to experience God, but they can experience the love of a parent. A young child is not able to experience the protection and care of God for them, even though, uh, even though that is there but they can experience the protection and care of their parent. A young child's not able to experience grace from God, but they can experience and learn grace and see it in action uh, through, the, through the, the grace that's offered uh, by their parent. So you, uh, my role as a protector, to love them, to model grace, to provide boundaries and structure in their life, these are all things that God does for us, uh, and as we, as we grow into a relationship with God, we come, we come to know those things in our life. And one of the ways God has, has designed us to be raised is that we learn them first through our parents. And to the extent that our, our, we as parents are able to do that well, uh, then that uh, provides a stepping stone for our children to be able to, to, to experience those, uh, to experience that nature of God uh, for ourselves. So, in other words, I came to understand that one of my roles as a parent was to, was to model God to them, to, to, to image God, to be an image now this is the ideal, this is God's plan for parenting. And uh, God does this in a number of ways. Uh, for instance, marriage. Marriage is the same. I don't know if you've thought about this. 
a marriage uh, is used in Scripture uh, in, so many, in so many places as an image of God. Uh, and, and so the, when two get married and love each other, two become one. Their, their relationship becomes so intimate that, that you can be considered as one. Um, and I believe God's done that intentionally to image himself to the world. So that when we engage in fully intimate, wholehearted, Christian, loving marriage, we are being a witness to the world. We are showing the world the nature of God because that's what God is. God is community. God is three in one. So intimate that they can be considered one. The church is like that too. We are meant to be a community with relationships that are so intense and close that we can be considered to be one entity, many in one. And, and, and one of the reasons for that is that's a witness to the world. We're an image of God to the world. You know, community's not just having fun together. When we do community well, we are actually imaging God to the world. It's part of, it's part of our mission to the world is to image God to him by being true, authentic community, not cups of tea, but being real with each other, with masks taken down, and being vulnerable and supporting each other in times of hardship. When we do that, we are imaging God to the world. And as parents and children, as parents, when we love uh, and support and show grace and give boundaries to our children, and our children respond back. That is an image to the world of the nature of God and how he cares for us and the way in which we should relate to him. That's the ideal. When we honour our parents, we are honouring God because we are functioning in the, in, the, in the relationship, in the way in which he intends. And as we do that, then we move that commandment from the second grouping up into the first grouping. And that's what these pictures are about. It's really cool on Google with Google image search. You just put in a, a Bible verse that you're preaching on and it pulls up a whole range of images. <laughs> So, that, I mean, that's one that I like. It's just showing God's care for, uh, uh, for the family. Um, but, but this image here uh, is showing the way in which, um, as a parent, the parent is, is actually taking on that role. So God had his, uh, has his arms wrapped around the family, uh, and then the parents within the family have their arms wrapped, wrapped around the children. Um, and so when the parents do that, they're being God to the, to the children. And I don't think that's blasphemous. Um, and in Ephesians 3.14, it says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and, uh, and on earth derives its name. Just showing that connection between God as Father uh, and, and families. <clears throat> Honour your father and your mother. I've been talking about the ideal uh, but we can't um, control how we were raised. All of, all of our parents uh, were flawed in how they raised us. 
And I, I think it's even possible that I wasn't the perfect father. <laughs> so we don't honour our parents because they deserve it. We don't honour them because they've done such a fantastic job or not done a fantastic job. We honour them because it honours God. And we honour them because in the ideal relationship, we can't control the part that we're not responsible for, which is uh, what our parents have done. But we can control the part which we are able to control, which is our response to that. Okay? Our parents may not have been perfect, but we can still control the part that we have in that relationship. And so we choose to honour them, whether they deserve it or not, whether they were great parents or not. I could have given up on my relationship with my dad. But for me, over those decades, honouring him meant not giving up, keeping on trying. And I remember making a conscious choice at one point that even though because of his upbringing, um, and, and part of the process of honouring him meant uh, sitting with him and asking him questions to try to understand him better, to try to see things from his perspective. Uh, and I came to understand uh, the sort of uh, childhood that he, he had and the ways in which um, he had a very limited um, uh, flawed upbringing because of the, the difficulties with his parents. So I remember making a conscious point at one point, uh, that a, a conscious choice at one point, that even though because of his upbringing he was relationally incapable of being a good father to me, I could still be a good son back to him. Me being a good son <coughs> isn't dependent on him being a good father. And that was a, that was a huge thought for me. I mean, it probably take me, took me 30 or 40 years to get there. <laughs> None of this is easy. None of this is easy. And I see people nodding. And now, he's completely incapable of being a good father to me because he's got Alzheimer's. Stuck in a room in a home in South Auckland. And all this was buzzing through my head as I got off the plane and made my way to the uh, rest home in Takanini and found out where his room was. This is the first time I'd been there. Uh, and walked down the corridor uh, and opened the door and looked in. And he looked up and through the fuzziness of his Alzheimer's, he recognised me and he gave me the most huge beam of a smile and he said hello. And um, honestly, I, I was just so overwhelmed with love, with this, these feelings of love and compassion for him. It was just a wonderful moment. And I could have missed that moment if I'd given up on him. So this is um, a bit of my journey in this. Uh, and there's been various things 
various other things that I've done along the way in processing this to get to this point. Uh, and I'm not going to talk through all this detail. How do you honour your parents? I don't know. I don't know. This is, this is not a message on how to do it. You know, the, 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 the how or even exactly what honouring means in your situation. Uh, you know, I, I can't give you any simple 10 points on, on how to go about this. This is a message on, on what I've discovered uh, about why to do it, the significance of it, uh, that, um, that, that I'm doing it because, for God's sake, not for my parents' sake. Uh, um, I can't tell you how to honour your parents. You know, within this room, there will be people who have had parents who were grace-filled and caring and loving and wise and created good boundaries and who were supportive. And honouring is just uh, like breathing. It just becomes a natural part of your relationship with your parents. Um, and there will be people who have had um, destructive, abusive parents. And so much so that it's actually unsafe for you to be in their presence. And you've had to step back and, and create boundaries uh, because the abusiveness of the relationship with your parent, and that might still be going on, um, uh, is, is, is too risky for you. And there'll be people who've had absent parents, uh, parents that you have maybe have never known in your life, or parents that have passed on. There's a whole range of scenarios here. There is no simple, easy way within that range, within that spectrum, to say this is how you honour your parents. That's something that you have to work out for yourselves. It's your own journey, however you do that. Maybe the first step might be just getting some counselling and prayer ministry for this. Uh, and, and I don't mean quick fix praying, I mean deep prayer ministry. I, I've had times when I've had extended prayer sessions through the sort of prayer ministry that Nat is able to offer, Nat and his team, and I, and I really recommend that. Uh, you know, if... if if this morning is triggering some stuff for you, then that's God talking to you and saying you've got some stuff within you, you need to deal with it. Come and do some prayer surgery. Go and see, see Nat, make a booking. Um, I've experienced this, uh, from, particularly from my relationship from my, with my father from when I was young. Um, and I've experienced God, Jesus, coming into my early memories uh, and bringing healing uh, which brings freedom and release uh, in the present. So I really commend that ministry to you. Maybe that's the first step. Maybe that's the thing that you have to do. Get the stuff dealt with so that you can then move into a more honouring relationship with your parents. Uh, maybe, maybe it's just a matter of getting to the point of freedom and healing where you can pray a blessing on your parents. I mean, that, that might be the point of honouring that you can get to, uh, and that might be as far as you can get. Um, how we honour our parents is different for each of us. 
But why we do it is because in doing it, we are honoring God. And more than that, we're actually being a witness of the nature of God to the people around us. Look, what I'd like to do with the time that we've got left is, I mean, that's the message. (laughs) Um, But I do believe that God can meet each of us individually in whatever position we're at with our parents. So what, what I'd like to do is just take a few minutes and, uh, and give some space for Jesus to meet you in your situation. And the way we're going to do that is um, I'm going to get you to stand. Um, please. Jesus, each one of us here um, is in a different place with our parents. Each, each one of us uh, has had a unique, utterly unique relationship with our parents. Um, but we acknowledge that this is uh, an incredibly important relationship. This is, uh, been, these have been relationships that have shaped and formed us. Uh, and these have been uh, imperfect relationships. Uh, And yet you say to us, honour your parents, honour your mother and your father, and this is a commandment for you. So I pray now in these next minutes that you would meet each of us, that you would speak to each of us, that you would uh, do some work uh, uh, in each of us in our relationship with our parents. Speak to us, Jesus. Now, what I'd like you to do is just to keep your eyes closed. And uh, think about one or both of your parents. Maybe bring an image up of one or both of your parents. Whatever, Whatever comes. Just bring an image up or a memory. Once you've got that image or that memory or that thought, just hold it for a minute. Now I'm going to speak a sentence to you. When I speak that sentence, just be aware of what happens in your image or your memory or your emotions. Honour your father. Honour your mother. Just hold that thought, hold that memory.
Jesus, what do you want each person here to know about their relationship with their parents? What do you want them to know about the emotion or thought that they have in their mind right now? Jesus, I pray that you would speak to each person here their own unique word. So just hold that memory or that image and listen for a word from Jesus or look around in the image and see whether Jesus is present in the image doing something.